Here at the TalkHouse Podcast, we want to hear from you, about you, our listeners. Go to bit.ly slash TalkHouse survey to fill out a two-minute survey. To make it worth your while, we'll be giving away a Fender Mahogany acoustic guitar, a 9LP prize pack courtesy of the folks at Secretly Group and Dead Oceans, a custom Levi's jean jacket, and four $25 Amazon gift cards to lucky participants. That link again is bit.ly slash TalkHouse survey. Welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Elia Einhorn here with... Nick Dawson, the Editor-in-Chief of TalkHouse Film. Nick, today's podcast features two indie filmmakers, Azazel Jacobs and Shannon Plum. What brought these two together? Well, Azazel's new movie, The Lovers, is, is out now, uh, starring Tracy Letts and Deborah Winger. Or more specifically, Deborah Winger and Tracy Letts. Because I think you have to put the Oscar winner first before the, the Tony winner. Always, I think that's always. the rules. The Academy rules. Yeah, yeah, that, the EGOT has, a, has an order. Uh, Azza and, and Shannon, have, they've kind of recently become friends. I've known Azza for 10 years and known Shannon only very recently. Both of them have written for the site, Shannon, quite frequently recently, which has been fantastic. And I was really excited to get the two of them together because they're not only great filmmakers, but, but sort of very, very particular people, both great humanists and, and just lovely people to be around. And so I was intrigued to see where their conversation would lead them. They're two people, as, as we hear in this conversation, whose minds can go to really interesting places. Two humanists, two friends. Also, we can say bedfellows now. Uh, very, very cautiously, we can say that. Uh, they, we recorded this at the Ludlow Hotel where Azza was staying uh, in a relatively modestly sized room, it has to be said, where the only truly available space was on the bed. So they kind of bunched up, each had one pillow, and, and, uh, and they had this, this really fantastic conversation. It's also a very freewheeling conversation. Yeah, I mean, they, they touched on a lot of stuff, everything from Lenny Bruce. Howard Stern. Right, uh, as as a huge Clash fan, that inevitably came up in conversation. Right, right, and and being punk, growing up close minded. Right, right, the, the sort of the paradox of that. As his dad is the legendary uh, experimental filmmaker Ken Jacobs. He talked about growing up, coming at film in a different way. And as someone who grew up in a film family, might view Rotten Tomatoes equals bullshit. This is so true that the Rotten Tomatoes is the enemy, in my opinion. I'm going to say it my way, damn it. Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes. Let's call the whole thing off. Well, let's finish the intro first, though. Basically, go see as a new movie, The Lovers. I think it's one of the best things he's ever done. I, I love everything he's done, but this is sort of both his most mature film and most playful, maybe, and, and it's sort of like old-fashioned and modern at the same time. It's it's his He always goes in, in sort of a different direction to where he's gone before and, and pushes himself. And, and I think the movie is fantastic. A great starting point for Shannon is Toeheads, uh, which is a, a feature she made a couple of years ago. You loved it. I loved it. And it was kind of the, the impetus for me uh, asking her to, to become a contributor at the TalkCast, which she has excelled at. And also, you know, equally go check out Aza's other stuff. Uh, everything from, from Good Times Kid to Mama's Man to Terry and uh, his HBO show, Doll and M. It's all great stuff. And, and these are two people whose sort of deep understanding of, of, of human beings informs their work in a way that I think is really special. There are also two people whose partners are involved in their work. Absolutely, yeah. Like um, Shannon is married to Derek Sianfrance, who did Blue Valentine and, and The Place Beyond the Pines. 
and uh, Aza is is married to a filmmaker also Diaz who has worked with him as an as an actress as a costume designer and uh, he was very briefly working on the pilot that she and Shannon are doing together Shannon is acting and uh, and Diaz is is writing and directing this show called Cherries which hopefully will be out in the world soon um, but yeah, the, the interplay between the, the working relationship and the personal relationship is something they touch on in, in, a, in a really interesting way. And parenthetically, Azza comes from a very celebrated lineage. Right. His father is the legendary experimental filmmaker Ken Jacobs. And he grew up coming at film from a very different place than, than most people and, and, and has allowed him to, to sort of constantly reimagine the work that he does and... and, and the parameters of his his filmmaking style in a way. He talks about that and many other things in this conversation. Should we roll it? Let's roll it. That's it, we're going? Yeah. I think we should keep going. Okay. You know, like, uh, like they shoot your horses, don't they? You know, like we just, we'll keep talking until we fall down. Oh no, yeah, a, I'm not a good talker though. Okay. Well, yeah, that's why I, I, I'm excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> I want this to be a silent interview. Okay, ow. Okay, Aza. Yes, Shannon. But see, I feel like I should be asking you questions. Um, okay. We can, yeah, ask me a question. Well, how you been doing? Well, it's, that's a good... Question. Today I feel very different than I've been feeling. So I, I've been doing... I've been feeling totally up and down with kind of my heart and my throat, you know, just this whole period of just thing. Like, I mean, really, it's been this past week where I've gotten to see the film for the first time with an audience, and now the film is out today. And so I've just been that feeling where you're, you know, you're, your heart is in your throat and you're just, you're just totally confused. You're just trying to figure out what it is and try to feel everything. Um, but today... Maybe because it's New York City and it's the rain, which is when I love the city the most. I'm feeling really happy. And also maybe just because the film is out now, this yeah. morning, you know? So it just kind of feels like I really feel like I did the best I could and I feel like everybody involved has. All right, so when I saw you and Diaz, we went to the premiere and then you had two more screenings that you went to. Did you sit in those and... No, I haven't sat through the film since that okay. screening, actually. Um, but I do come in at the end, and I'm starting to get a sense of the room, and I'm I am poking my head in because I just have to know if people are laughing. And, See, you're addicted to the laughter, aren't oh, you? Oh yeah, I can't. Well, that's that's one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to do this with you when Nick asked is because you after that screening at Tribeca, you turned to me and you said. So you're a comedian. <laughs> and I was like, I think I am. I, I, I felt like it for that night. I never felt that way. You know, like I, there was 850 people laughing that night. And I just never felt that experience. Like this is, yeah, these are not just jokes. Like I'm stand, stand-up jokes. But these are things that I find funny. And when you find it, other people do too, at least in that moment. Wow. I, I totally get it. You know, I, know. I, I love, there's so many comedians, I guess, you know, we all do, but I, I think if anything, like, I may have been most influenced by comedians. Yeah. I mean, there's something, there is something about that laughter. I was thinking, because the same happened with me with Toeheads. Like, I've always been watching 
my movies, they've been in a gallery or there's like one person chuckles or something and it's nothing. But that night, like when I heard everybody laughing, I was like, it, it moved me because I was like, you know, all these other movies, they're trying to like scare people and they're trying to like make people cry. And there's like, I've never felt anything as powerful as hearing like 900 people laughing. Like all ones. That's that's exactly it. You know, Deborah has been saying they've been asking her. You know, did you expect people to be laughing as much? And she's like, you know, I read this straight. We acted this straight. I didn't see like I, when I was reading the script. When she was reading the script, she wasn't like laughing out loud. She could see that there was humorous things in there, but yeah. she never thought of playing it as a comedy. In like, all right, this is to be. Here's the joke. Here's the joke. Here's the joke. And I, I think so much of. At least for me, the humor works because of that. Yeah, it's the subtleties that I see that people, well, I was laughing at, you know, the faces and the, it's like the silent humor that is funny too, you know? Yeah, and also for me, it's the truth of it, you know, like that's the thing that, you know, when we think of at least the, you know, Louis C.K. or any of these comedians or that I really admire, you know, it's just like you're laughing because, oh, they're connecting the dots and you're like, oh, no, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is the truth. It is, that's, that's true. It is the truth. <laughs> well, I was, um, I, from a very young age, I got really obsessed with Lenny Bruce. I mean, that was probably the first comedian. Um, my parents gave me a record and then friends and just... I'd go to bed listening to um, listening to him all the time. And that was his whole thing, you know, it was just like, can you believe this is what's happening? No, this, can you believe it? Like, this is so unbelievable that it's funny, yeah. you know? I mean, obviously all these other things, but I always felt like that's what it was going about. Like, this is right in front of our face. Um, how can we not see this? Yeah. And I'm going to show it to you. I know. I think the same with me. It was Richard Pryor. And he, I don't think he puts his comedy in the form of jokes, but he's telling you the story of what it's like where he is, you know, or where he's from. Yeah. And that to me, yeah, that truth is what's hilarious and people relate to. Well, you know, I, we, we may separate on this, but I am... Um... You know, I've been listening to Howard Stern now for 30-something years, you know, since really since I was 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the thing. Like, I've gone through all the things that could be, you know, offensive or all those things. Like, I've grown with him. If there's any voice that I've probably heard as much, most, as much as my parents, it's been his. As He's kind of grown as a person and his comedy and, and he's changed and the whole show has changed. But that's had, I sometimes wonder, like, how could that not have had the biggest effect on me? Because that's it. He's always talking about um, his own feelings, his own contradictions, his own, you know, how sure he is about something. And then a year later, he's some totally sure of the opposite or whatever that is. And yeah. I find just admitting that to be, you know... I find my way in with that. And then on top of that, I think he does it with kind of so much insight and humor and people around him. What, you mean because he's like a hypocrite? Well, I think he just sees. Um, 
Yeah, I think he's, you know, I definitely think of, like the thing is that when I, when you listen now, you're listening to, for me, 30 years of like, so there's things in there that are referenced 25 years ago. So there's this whole other narrative that's going on. I can't, I don't know what it's like to be, oh, I would never tell somebody, oh, you should start listening now, regardless of how strong I feel, because I'm hearing it as this long odyssey. It's like yeah. the Godfather, you know, has this like deep, thing and this happened, that happened, this happened. But, you know, I think of myself, like, and sometimes I'll hear earlier shows and they'll just be, I guess, you know, offensive in, in lots of different ways. But then I think about myself at that age and I think about how stupid yeah. I was and how many things. And I think just still being part of that and not saying like, oh, I've always been this person. I like really, I was a very, very close-minded kid even though I was being raised in such kind of a open-minded environment or maybe that's why you know how were you close-minded though I had this like very you know I fell in love with the clashes in early age and I had just this very strong definition of punk what punk was and it was like a very kind of macho thing and it just like you either one you you're this way or you're that way and um you know, as as an early, like I got to see the, the clash broke up right in um, eighty. Well, let's just say, in reality, they kind of broke up in eighty three. But they, you know, there's little things that went on afterwards. But the guitarist McJones started a a band right after Big Eye Dynamite, and they went to play a show here in New York City. And this is the the first show I went to, and I was nineteen eighty five, so I was probably twelve years old, and. I went with my best friend Piero and we waited there and we had our Clash shirts on and this was going to be his Clash. Like we were just so excited to see what this kind of Clash, new Clash was. And we go there and we, you know, we were all dressed up and uh, he starts playing this really dance music. Um, and we couldn't, we just couldn't believe it. I mean, we were just, we, I don't know. We we didn't. We just couldn't understand it. And then he played Prince, you know, 1999. <laughs> and we were yelling for Clash songs the whole night. Stay free, stay free, stay free. You know, we were so offended. We were so upset. Um, and now, obviously, like, that's the fucking punkest thing ever. Of course, man. There were so many people that went there for this thing and he gave us something else. And it took me a while before I realized, like, he is playing what he loves, and that's ultimately like punk. That is, right? Yeah, doing yeah. what you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I will tell you the, the the nicest cap on that story. Yeah, is uh, I read an interview in Spin Magazine with Mick Jones soon afterwards, and they're asking how did the New York shows go, and he's like, they went great, you know. And they're like, were there people there that were. Uh, <laughs> were there people there that were asking for Clash songs? He's like, you know, there was a guy there that was yelling, <laughs> stay free over and over again. <gasps> but you know what? People got so upset with him, they took him out and they beat him up. Was that you? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, no, I think he was making either there was another person just like me or he just made the his end of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like. I think he was talking about me, but I think he just added this nice twist the way that he wanted to see it. And I was like, huh, all right, either 
because they did play two nights. They either there was another me doing the exact same thing with him twice a night, and the second night he that person got beat up, or this is his version of uh, how things ended. I like to think it's me though. Yeah, I got, I got. Can I, can I? Um, I'm gonna ask you something. Yeah, please. <laughs> this um. So today I saw on Instagram. I I'm connected to the IS or whatever it is, the um, International Space Station. And this guy, the guy who's been out there a year in space, just came back to Earth. And they had to show him how to walk again because he can't, he's, his body isn't used to gravity. So he was walking like a, a one-year-old. And I was thinking, you know, maybe that's why babies can't walk yet is because they really come from outer space. Wow. I'm... <laughs> I see. I was thinking that the opposite—that maybe they told him who our president was, and he <laughs> lost the ability. No, but no, isn't it? Yeah. Don't you think that's a possibility? That that babies came from outer space, or all of us? Like we, like we all, yes. like, you know, like somewhere, somewhere. I think that's proven. We don't have grav. There, there's no gravity for yeah. a baby, right? Well, that's true. I mean, that that's the. Or that's because he's in the womb. Well, is there gravity inside the belly? You know, you would know this more than I, better than I. I it's, guess I wouldn't though. Yeah, I I don't know, but I like this idea because I know that one of the things that um, I got to study with Stan Brakhage and mm. his his main goal, at least according to how I felt, one of his main goals was to see again the way that he was as a baby before. Or as a kid, before he knew, we were told, "Oh, the sky is blue and the grass is green." What do you, what what was that like before we had this? And we can just kind of look up and go, "Oh yeah, the sky is blue today. The sky is gray." What if you take that away? What do we see? Who are we? And what 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 is this world? And that's what I think of when you say that, like yeah. that that feeling of just like getting back to that place of um, yeah, like a. a, a otherworldly yeah just discarding like all that you've learned about the world yeah well i don't know if you can discard it I, yeah i don't i don't even know if that's possible but i guess yeah i guess maybe you're right maybe discarding everything that you've been taught about the world but not what you feel about it yeah so that nice rain huh <laughs> you know, I um my my room where I grew up, you know, in Lower Manhattan was right next to the skylight. So this sound of just hearing the rain was really like that the it's the best for me. Like it's it's the thing I miss most about New York is this kind of sound of the yeah. rain. What floor were you on when you grew we're up? We're on the top floor of, you know, a five story building. Yeah. And um so there was two skylights over there and like I just like and you know also I just like that I like that feeling you know when it was raining in school it was the only day where everybody was happy to be inside you yeah. know it just felt like okay we're all in this together otherwise you just, everybody's just trying to just figure out just dying to get out you know? I know my son always wants to run out in the rain he loves the rain yeah well, there's both of those things. Like, I love going, same. I want to be outside and I love being inside. Yeah. There's nothing like yeah, yeah. it, you know? And you just, I just, 
You know, I think the first, the very first film that I made, maybe when I was 17, was using the, that sound of the rain hitting the skylight as the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, because that's the most kind of, yeah, that, that, that is the kind of the place where I feel the most comfortable. Yeah. You know? It's Inside settling, too. yeah. I mean, and definitely, Mama's Man is very much about that feeling, you know, like it, that that happened. That the whole that whole movie and script came from that feeling of going there, and you know, crashing in my room, waking up and just hearing this sound and going, "Why did I leave? Yeah. Why did I leave? And what would happen?" But you know, what's really nice is that I've been hearing from people, and I read it in a couple of reviews that people seeing. The Lovers is a reverse story of Mama's Man, you know, where Mama's Man was about a son who can't stop um, not being true to his parents. This is about parents that can't stop being true to their son, their son dealing with that. And that's not a connection I would have ever, like, aimed for, you know, or I thought of was writing, now I'm going to do... I do push to do the opposites, though, you know? Like, I'm always trying to do... I very much wanted Terry to be the opposite of Mama's Man, and I very much wanted the lovers to be the opposite of Doll and M. You know, like mm-hmm. I—that—that's how I find my way. Is go okay. I was there. I did the best I could. There's things in there that I feel are alive and truthful and vital. And now, what's the other side of that? And do you think? What do you think that you are learning from this thing after three films and? being on like yeah morning shows and like was that well that's a new thing I mean that's just bizarre that was the most bizarre thing ever I just felt like uh, yeah I can't even understand you know that yeah it's a different language you know like I don't know if you knew this I didn't know this but during the commercial breaks those guys are talking just like that during the break too yelling you know yelling who the talk show host yeah the like I was on this morning show, you know, and they're really caffeinated and they're really like, everything is just explosive. Like, oh my God, there's a chipmunk on the tree. <laughs> and I, so I was like, Deborah and I walked in there, we were just looking like, what the fuck is going on? This is just felt like people tripping, you yeah. know? And, and so suddenly the, uh, we, we get in there and it's a commercial break and they're talking but they're, I think we're on yeah. because they're still going like this. Yeah. Do you know what's going on? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, and, we're, and then they, it, I understand now because then we were on and they want to stay on this level. It's that thing we were talking about, the crew. Like, yeah. I bet you if they dropped down, right, right. it's so hard to get there. Oh, they were on the funny. top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. And then for that whole interview with Deborah and I, we're trying to get up there. You know, <laughs> we're trying to get just like, and I'm a person that, my sentences don't end, maybe you realize, but like, you know, I have trouble ending <laughs> sentences. But in that case, I was like, Deborah did say, talk fast and quick, uh, talk fast and short, you know, right before going on. I was really trying to remember. Like, Were you just, really nervous? Uh, I, I stopped being, I think I was more nervous before. I tried to get out of it all the way up until the minute because I just felt like, this could only go wrong. Like there's, this is only, there's no tickets I'm going to sell with me up there. And especially because Deborah's so good. Like yeah. she's just so good at this. I'm just, I'm so impressed. Like she's able to say these 
profound, truthful things in this way, in this language that's just like, it's really satisfying. And then, you know, so where did this come from? Well, I, uh, you know, I got no answer. I, uh, that, that's a long, well, it started in 1972 when I was born. But, but you know, that would just go on. So I. Is it, it live too? Are those shows that was live? live? Oh yeah. my God. And yesterday was live too. And that was, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, so I'm still learning. Like, this is really a new situation. The, the, the thing too is that I'm also like, um, it's been six years since I made a film. You know, I've been working in TV this whole time. So this feels like a, an interesting, it feels familiar in some ways and also it feels like a totally different situation. It's a very different film. Um, and I'm also like, you know, I've just kind of completely lucked out with A24. I've never had this experience of like complete, wow, just complete support from the beginning to the end. Yeah. I kept thinking this is where it ends, right? This is where like they don't come through, or I'm, and I, I, it's unfortunate that I go with that attitude because I know that's not a good thing to be to be suspicious. But well, that's what we've been taught, though, you know. Yeah, that that, that exactly. You're just thinking like, are they gonna do what they say they're gonna do? And then they a twenty four just kept coming through with what they said they were going to do. I just like, you know, I'm one of these people that just don't believe we're shooting until we're actually right. shooting. Yeah, like yeah. I just, people ask me, so you have a film? And it sounds like I'm being pretentiously coy and I'm thinking, well, I hope so. But I don't, it's, I've been, my heart's been broken. All yep. of our hearts have been broken too many times. I know, I you know? know, it's painful. Yeah, so you just, on one side, you're really trying to, you know that these things won't happen unless you fully believe that they're going to happen. On mm -hmm. the other side, like only a fool would fully believe it's going to happen. This lady told me um, the other day, she's a producer, and she said, I said, I'm never going to get this movie made. And she said, you know what, Shannon? She said, you, the only person that can stop you from getting your movie made is you. And I was like, that's, it's so true. It's that like, is, that is it's true. like, if you don't stop, we could keep, we'll just keep nagging and nagging and nagging until like we get our films made, you know? But also I think that the flip side of that is, you know, like it may not be up to you to do the film that you're envisioning. Exactly right. the film that you're envisioning. But there is a film that you can do that's totally up to you. Yeah. And that was like, that's a, that's this thorn, this like really nice thorn. Having done films for so cheap, you know the. Um, I think that's why your movies, they, the intimacy. You're getting really good at the intimacy, and you know you could. I mean, you don't need a ton of money to make what you're doing. You know, the ideas are in the relationships, and that doesn't take a lot. You know what I mean. Mm. I think it's hard right now because everything is so big all the time. Like when Toeheads came out, someone was like, yeah, it's a small movie. And I just couldn't understand what they were talking about. And I, th I, I took it as an insult. I was like, what do you mean it's small? I know. <laughs> and, I've, and I've caught myself saying that to my dad who makes films for $100, features for $100. And he's just like, oh, it's a small film. It's, you know... Uh, made for a hundred grand or 300 or 500 or a million dollars. And it's just like, it's, it's very hard not to get warped because you're hearing that all the time. You yeah. know, your, your, your own work is being, and you're finally working with crews and people are getting paid and union and 
you know, all these things that seem so big to me, um, yeah. huge. And then still it said like, oh, it's a very small, intimate film. Yeah. And um, which maybe they're talking about something else, but it's hard for me not to start using those same words. Oh, I'm just planning on making a small film, you know, right. it's under a million dollars. And then you hear yourself you're like, Fuck, I could buy a house. I could, yeah. you know, that's a million hot dogs right there. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think um, I think it's important to kind of keep re- reminding ourselves of these things, and definitely having Diaz. You know, Diaz now made it's made her first film, yeah. short or pilot, with you, and seeing her do that, watching you got you two work, all of you work, and her working with a small crew, shooting in the house. Um, and also kind of avoiding a lot of the th- issues that I did when I set off just because she's been working now in film and working around with me like that was but ultimately also seeing her do things that I would have very much suggested she do otherwise because there's an easier way of doing it or it's not going to work and then seeing how much it was working out and just how like there's all these lessons that you just it's like a, it's not like you're learning so much. It's like you're forgetting and then you're relearning. And then if I what I was witnessing with her, I was like, oh, I've grown up. I, I feel like I've learned these lessons, but so many of them have been walls. Yeah, you know, just to make things that yeah, it's a way of making, but it actually lowers your aims in some ways and your your goals. I really saw it watching you all work and just working on. Um, yeah, just l- what what was what was most important to to all of you working there, which is which is always the thing that's the most important, but it's easy to forget. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just because like you and Diaz and me and Derek were couples who work in film together, it's so interesting because. I know I can't say what Derek's learned for me. He's helped me with things too, you know. Like when we when I first started with my little Super 8s, I shot always by myself. But then when I took it outside, I was like, Derek, will you, will you help me? And, you know, asking Derek to help, that means you just put a director on the set. And so I said, but you can't look at me, just set up the camera and turn around. So we started that way, but then... I realized, like, I was like, okay, on the next one, you can look. And when he started to help me, yeah, like, I just realized how much that I learned from him. And I know it's vice versa. I mean, but when I get to go on the sets with him or when we write together in the edits, it's like there's so many things that I think we give and get from each other that it just helps so much it's true and unfortunately i've also done the same thing where she's asked me something and then i give her an approach or i can't help but offer this is how i would approach yeah. rather than asking her well, what what is it that you feel the way that i would an actor there's something like that you know like you i don't want to but it's it's so easy for me to also, because I get excited, like she'll tell me an idea of hers, yeah. and I'll start picturing yeah. how I would do it, and I, that's what I want her to do. And I think, um, you know, I, I'm 
constantly trying not to do that. And I think I've gotten better, but it's become a lot easier, especially since after seeing her work emerge going like, I could not do that. And that is better than what I thought of. And this is much more interesting, you know? And, and she's, does point that out to me. She's like, no, I understand that there's a right way to do that. That's not what I'm interested yeah, in. Yeah, I saw her you know? I saw her a couple of times with you, and I was like, oh, this is good. Because she was just like, go in the other room. <laughs> she was like, go in the yeah. other room, Aza, I got it. And and then on the other hand, though, she would pull you in, and like, it's beautiful. It was like, you guys were doing this little tango that was just... So real. Well, you know? it was right after I got fired as the AD <laughs> after the first day. She fired you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we were we had a, the first shot of the first day. We were three hours behind. You know, like because I don't know how to tell people to move fast. Like, and I thought I did, but no, you was weren't like, very hey, good at no. it. <laughs> I, I understand that, and I think maybe that's a good thing that I'm not good at that because I'm like. To, yeah, they took. I don't know. Take your time. I, I'm not sure. That's what we got, you know. But yeah, and that luckily, oh man, thank you for Case Bard. You know, he was working there, and um, he wound up replacing me, and then I could kind of be yeah. that person that could go. I don't know, make coffee and tea and soup, and also just be there when she wants. And you know, it's the same thing with with on my films because she's doing the costumes for the films and. She's the first person who reads my scripts and she goes, oh, there's something here and this doesn't feel truthful or this does. And and then if it starts becoming real and I'm working, you know, the film is becoming real, then the first conversation has to do with the costumes, which is like, what world does this exist in? What And that's the first place this whole thing, my whole movies come from is like, what are they wearing? Which seems kind of like this superficial thing, but it really, everything gets laid out around it. Like, yeah. what are these colors? What is the color of this world? How how based in reality is this? Yeah, there's something about the relationship, being able to bounce off of someone that you trust so much, you know, whose tastes you appreciate. It's the same with Derek. It's like, if I know that, like, if, I don't know, if I can't get somewhere we have you know, I show him a performance of something that I was I did, and he just knows he knows where it should stop, where it should begin. It's all technical sometimes, but but it's in the end, it's basically that you trust this person's opinion, and if they say it sucks, then you feel it sucks. You know. Mm. Well, it's interesting because I saw it between you two, I mean, yeah, Diaz and you. You know, like that was you know we we went to see to Cine Family to see your film. Um, and we both like really fell hard for the movie. And then you, she met you afterwards and there was just that thing, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know. I saw something that I guess maybe you both saw. I mean, I think she definitely saw, I don't know if you have, what you saw because maybe you were just in the, the, that feeling of after a screening and it's hard to even see anything. But I know from that moment on after the brief interaction she had with you after the screening, like you were on her mind as somebody that she was just inspired by and wanted to work with. And then I remembered, you know, and that was a couple of years ago. 
And then suddenly you're showing up at the door and we're realizing like she's written this whole thing with you in mind, but we don't know who you are and you don't know who we are. And it's just like so odd, you know, because I'm sure who we thought you are wasn't you. And that's kind of a weird thing to walk into. Wait a minute. I know because I remember Diaz was like, whoa, when I came in, she's like, I don't really know you. And I was like, did I disappoint you guys? (laughs) I was like, whoa, you guys, really? Very, very quickly, very, very quickly, I could see like such a cool thing that you, you know, you hope for, you really hope for to happen between the two of you. And I saw you pushing in the, each other what apart and together and in, the, in the, all the ways that you want yeah creatively no when i i felt like i met some friends that i needed to meet when i walked in there with you guys mm-hmm. it's definitely I, I don't know i feel like i know you guys so well already you know i mean yeah i, I think that there's definitely also just being with two directors as husbands, that's got to be something that's... I know you've written about it and you've talked about it. Yeah. That it's like a... It's a strange place because the work is yours. The life is yours, you know? And that's got to be a really interesting feeling, but also to not be able to, um, you know, have the same the same relationship to its effect, but really feeling the effects just as as much as I think person you're next to you know I mean there's so many times where Diaz will feel stronger about something that's happened to me in this business than I will or I'll be able to and a lot of times she turns out to be right about things but I have to always say well you don't know how it is like this is part it's okay it's like I have to be a certain way I can't suddenly just start fighting or I'm going to just if, if something is going on in the wrong direction you know yeah. she's very quick to to see that and I'll talk to her about it and she's very quick to push me to try to put things in it correct things in a, in a in the right track but you know there's this there's this balance that I'm also trying to do which is I don't want to fight with everybody yeah. you know I have to I mean that's the one thing I've learned over these years with that I do feel like I'm learning is like okay that battle was worth it that battle wasn't how can I save that battle next time so I'm not putting energy to something that never showed up on screen but you know what too is that I noticed when you're in a couple of situations like this you could get like Derek has told me you have to go in there like this and so the next day, I go in and try to do what he says the way he would do it, and it just does not work. No. It's like you can't. It's also a matter of what your character is like because Diaz is a fighter. Like, she's more like Derek. It's like they'll, they're like telling us, yeah, go in there and say something. And it's like, but I don't, I'm not going to go yell at somebody right now. I don't do that. Yeah. But, but I think that they're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. They probably are, but I, we can't. I can't do no, stuff like I, that. I, I mean, I've written out what I should say before, just to be like, "This is wrong," you know. And then I'm just like, "This is wrong," you know. Like, but I, yeah, I, 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 I can be very strong. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I know you can too. Yeah, like, we're fighters in different ways, you know. And I think that's um. That's also something that I'm saying to her, like, yo, you'll see when you're in this room. It's not that easy just to tell everybody they suck, yeah. you know? Like, 
it's it's you just have to kind of you're gonna have to listen to them and you're gonna have to figure out the words because you're trying to make something together yeah. and you're, you're you're too far down the line to not and how can you make this yours it's like this but look i love you know, you hear you, there's all these heroes that we have that seem like they didn't compromise, I and mean, my dad's never compromised, never, 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 never. You know, um, but it's also meant that he's made this work on his own. You know, I and know. first and foremost for himself, and he's meant that growing up with so many empty theaters too, and there was something that I, I, you know, um, that was a that was a really kind of painful thing for How me as a kid. How did you feel when you, would you go around to like things that he had I and sure did. sit in an empty Yes, place? yes. And it really was, it affected me because I know, first off, for whatever reason, maybe because I saw it, I, I really liked the work because I maybe, I was seeing it before I had a sense of what narrative was. So I, I wasn't looking for a story the first time I saw it. And so I was, I could see and I could also, the conversation of the house was going into the work. And I also, like, you know, he's making his work first and foremost for, for my mother. Like, I know that that's their relationship. He trusts her more than himself, whether something is working, whether something is alive. And so I saw this work. I found it really um interesting, like I, I was taken with it or whatever, you know, like it was work that seemed as good as anything else, as far as I understood. But then, you know, a lot of times, especially, it's it's changed now that he's older and has this, you know, a stature, you know. But as a kid, that sound of the seats getting, going, snapping back and people walking out and being really left in an empty theater was like a sound that I heard over and over and over and over and again. And why he would take you, like, how old were you? And where would I mean, it take you? I mean, since the beginning, I was just being at. I mean, from the very, very beginning, there was a, a theater called the Collective that students of his in Binghamton started um, a couple blocks away from you know on, on White Street, and uh, I mean, really, from my first memories as a little kid was just falling asleep under the table when they'd have the, they'd be showing work to each other and having these long conversations that turn into big fights over it because it was that was their whole audience it was mm. just them like that was the pay for it you know and so but then they'd have shows and maybe there'd be something you know these critics i mean jonas mikas was writing for the times and there'd be like real people writing real important words saying this is really important and i'm sure that would attract people and a lot of times there'd be older people in museums and they'd be so mad they get so mad i mean i remember as a kid this old man standing up next to me going what is the point of this mr jacobs it's storming out and i'll always remember and just like sinking down on my chair you know but the the flip side of it would be that there would be like at the very end of the screening it wouldn't just be me and my mom but there could be and maybe whatever friends but there would also be like maybe two or three people that stayed that would go up to him like they couldn't like a long lost brother, you know, mm. like just a person that you go, I didn't know that this was possible. And this is what I, this is what I experienced. I didn't know that experience was possible with film. And so I took that and I remember like at times when he was down, I was like, I would always, you know, I've been kind of more on like if the, the, the optimistic side of things and I'd go, but you're with each screening, you know, there's just people that come up that have had their lives changed. Like, what more could you hope for? Yeah. 
But then, you know, I had this experience as going back to the clash. You know, I had this experience when I was nine and I see see them and I'm seeing the clash play and I'm seeing Strummer up there and I'm seeing what on stage is I'm seeing what I felt my dad's films were. I'm seeing the this thing that I felt was so truthful and so pure and so just so alive and beautiful and just powerful. But the opposite is that the, it's full of people that are just loving it, you know? Yeah. The whole place is full. And I think so much of what I've been trying to aim is for somewhere in between those, you know? Like, I don't need a full stadium of people. But I really, like, we started off by talking, that feeling of hundreds of people laughing. Oh, my, wow, wow. But on your own terms is the goal. yeah. But do you think that you had to compromise something to be in between the clash and your dad? No. Uh, well, maybe not in this. I, I don't know in which ways. I mean, yeah, I guess you're always, I, I guess I'm always compromising in something, you know, like you're just definitely like you're compromising in your days of shooting and you're just shooting at a certain approach. And you're, you're, you, and the, those compromises I look as limitations that I'm trying to embrace. Um, but, I do know that, you know, my I'm dealing with a lot of things that don't want, ultimately wind up on the screen, and you're you're holding your tongue a lot of times about certain things in a way that my father just hasn't had to. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't had been. I mean, if I talk to him about the box office of a film, it's like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, you know. And so the fact that I am. Con- think about those things now and concerned about those things it, it look it really doesn't have anything to do with the film other than you're really worried that you're not going to get another chance it's yeah it is and we're for us. we were talking about the rotten tomatoes and i kept telling you and darius that there's no way not everybody looks at the rotten tomatoes like your dad does not look at the rotten tomatoes no he does not know what that is he has no idea what that is, but um, I hate the rotten. T- I sh- I shouldn't say I hate anything. I don't hate anything, but those rotten tomatoes. Yeah. Do you well, know how many you tomatoes know, you got? Yeah, we're doing good right now. What makes us nervous is if if we do fail, we won't be able to make them again, and failing only by other people's expectations. You know what I mean? Like box office and reviews and like. Does that mean that we don't make another movie? I mean, you're doing good with this, but like if it was bombing out, when that's you get so scared that like you can't do what you love anymore. And that's the truth. I just, um, I gotta lose, we have to lose that fear. I mean, that's what the Good Times Kid is for me, which is just like, wait a second, like nobody asked me to make that movie. There was nobody saying, hey, Aza, we need a film from you. Like, you know, like we're looking forward to your next film. In fact, I made a film before that called Nobody Needs to Know, which was my first feature film. And this film was just, just disliked. I mean, just just completely disliked. I mean, my first review was a three-page review of just saying how little future I had. I mean, it was just like, the film sucked, I sucked, my dad sucked, and I got no future ahead. And that was my first, <laughs> first review of the film. And I, like, you know, I remember, I know it. I could tell you it by word because it, it cut so hard. You know, it really, really got me good. And I called my dad and I told him, I read it to him. And he said, look, there's only 
one answer to that review, and that's 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 a lead pipe across his head. <laughs> if you're not going to do that, you'd better just keep your head down and keep working. Yeah, and that that stayed with me. That's that was a good yeah. thing. And um, you know, so does it take away the stings? You're right. I mean, it does. And do I still have this problem? I still have that fear, and I really, really wish I didn't. And I keep having people next to me saying, you know, I'm working on other. I'm working on something else now. You know, I'm getting like I and I actually have a job ahead. You know, on the, the Mozart in the jungle. Like I'm working, but I also have that thing which I really would like to to lose, which is just like, at what point does somebody just say, all right, we've had enough, like, you've gone far. I don't know how, no one's seen you going, I don't know how you got this far making things that you care about and getting this this ticket, but it's time to take that back. It's, you know, like, yeah. it's, but I know that's, it's only yourself, right? I yeah. mean, obviously. You want us to, should we, should we wind it yeah. down? Is there a countdown? That's well, I feel like we ran out of everything to, uh, for a couple months you now. Kinda, you kind of skipped out on the gravity baby thing. <laughs> All right, let's go back to that. You know, um, I mean... Well, I just don't know. Does that wind up on Rotten Tomatoes? Is there? Did the astronaut say anything about the love? I mean, that's what's most important. Like, I want to wind the up on... The tomatoes? Yeah, the tomatoes. <laughs> what did he say about the tomatoes? No, he didn't no. say nothing. <laughs> I don't know if he knew how to talk yet. He has to relearn how to talk, too. Did wow. you know that? No, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a look. But there sounds like a story here. Yeah, I, I think mean, cause, could it, that could be. That's a good story. Yeah. A full grown person that has to start over again. Okay. Yeah, I think they do, for the most part. Mm. Well, uh, thank you, Shannon. This okay, has been a, awesome. Yeah, this, this has been, been very cool. Um, and I, I can't wait to see what you're up to. Yeah. And what you're working on. But I, am I going to see you on another morning show? <laughs> I can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Next time I'll be talking yeah, really fast really and really fast. loud. Wow, the lovers. is beautiful <laughs> story of romance. I'll, just, I'll be yelling. Okay. All right. It was great, Aza. Cool. Thank you. This Thanks. is awesome. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hey now, Baba Booey. I'm Elia Einhorn, back here with Nick Dawson. Which is me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, or if you enjoy our podcast in general, please rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher so that other people can find us. Reviews are not a bad thing. Ratings are not a bad thing. You know, we can transcend Rotten Tomatoes. We can do this thing. If you haven't had a chance yet, head over to bit.ly slash talkhousesurvey to let us know about you and get a chance to win one of the amazing prizes. Yep, we've got some great stuff there. Do it. Tune in next week for Cozy Fanny Tootie of Throbbing Gristle in conversation with Patty Smith Group's Lenny Kay. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. See you next week.